Well, how's it going, guys? And here we are with week five. Hi, Adams. Great. Yeah. Good to see you again. Yeah, and we've got a special guest with us here we today. We do. We do. Carolyn King, who was our preacher for this past Sunday, uh, talked to us about Lectio Divina, Scripture and Meditation. And uh, Carolyn is our pastor, well, I, I would say pastor of pastoral care. How's that? <laughs> it's got a ring to it. Pastoral care minister here at the church, and she uh, does an amazing job with uh, people in hospital, with those who are bereaved, and, and with counseling some of our people in a variety of settings. So, Carolyn, really good to have you here today. It's nice to be here. Yeah, it feels good. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So, Carolyn, you were just coming over from the island, right? Yes, Prince Edward Island. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, there's many islands in the Maritimes. <laughs> and careful when you say the island if Cape Breton's in the picture. Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's true. right. We might offend Gordon here. Yeah. Yeah, yep, just came back this morning, and uh, yeah, it's a different world these days, traveling over the bridge and having Did to Did you stop. have any trouble at the border? Nope. It was simple and easy, so I am thankful that made it an easy drive over here. Yeah, good. Yep. So tell us about uh, your spot in PEI. Uh, we have a little family cottage, so we've been there for ever and ever, amen. Goes back generations in our family, and yeah, we just kind of hang out. A lot of swimming, a lot of, uh, we live near a farm, so through ATVs and through the potato fields, and we eat all that kind of wild <laughs> stuff. I got a text this week, Adams. <laughs> With uh, two people on an ATV, and I okay. thought, oh, yeah, that's appropriate with uh, the farm there in PEI. And then I realized who the driver was. Who was the driver, Carolyn? <laughs> Might have been me. Oh, Might have been you <laughs> with your uh, with your son. Yeah, yeah, they're loving it. It's um, it's this one spot in the world where they can just uh, run. They're like free-range chickens on the island. <laughs> so they kind of become the, uh, what is it, the Lost Boys from... from Pretty well. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, pretty well. It's, Just, it is wild. There you go. <laughs> so are you not on what they call the Argyle Shore? Are you on the Argyle Shore? No. No, I don't. We're off. No, of, the Argyle Shore is more Right, we're just outside of Summerside, so. Yeah. The Strait, really, but we're in a little bay hidden away. Great. Yep. Well, thanks for making the drive today. Glad you made it safely. Me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, normally, Carolyn, what we do is we'll kind of uh, kind of do like a 30,000-foot view of the last teaching, um, which you did. <laughs> but for those who don't know, this is kind of an interesting tidbit for those who don't know. You did this recording, what, like a while ago, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Actually, I think you recorded maybe even before we recorded the intro. For I the, might have. I think yeah. so, yeah. I might have. So the good thing is it's a topic that I love and that I have been mm. teaching and leading and, and actually just taught um, over the past, I don't know, it would have been maybe 12 weeks in total uh, for one of the groups that I led via Zoom, of course, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this day and age. So it, it, it's near and dear to my heart. So yeah, yeah. And the feedback on that, by the way, Carolyn, was that it was really helpful for lots of people. Because it's not a way they had us approach the scriptures before. Mm. Well, and I think when it came to preaching on this topic, I think what made it, or what can make it tricky, or what I struggled with is, I'm more accustomed to an exegetical kind of approach where 
we are given a scripture, we use a specific scripture, and then we, Amen. we, we take that. it apart. Right? Right. Yeah. 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 I hear you. And here I was given more of a topic. Right. And so I was left with kind of having to explore how to give people the basics of what they need to know to dip into this type of world of of meditation and using scripture and mm. how to go about that. I tried to give that basic understanding so that people could at least get a taste. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's a very, um, like, practical thing as well. So, like, to try to, like, there's, li- like, there's right. even, like, steps with it, right? So, to even try to, like, teach through those steps can be challenging. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And in true discipleship form, it's even difficult because it's not just tell them how but show them how right and so there's this other dimension of how can i help people to quote unquote try it yes within the context of of one teaching period Mm. and i'm also desperate to have people try it because when they do it's a game changer it Mm. literally changes your life your spiritual disciplines who you are it's one Mm. of those things in life that when you try it taste and see right but it's Hmm. it can be a hard thing to convince because when we preach it oftentimes i had to lean into teaching right you can't really go into exploring this type of work in the disciplines or in practices unless you try it work through it journal your experiences meeting with a mentor to work it through so at least it was the beginning i'm hopeful that for some it was the beginning mm-hmm. and that's why for many people who many who write on spiritual disciplines the best writers have at the end of each chapter some practices or some some uh, opportunities yeah. to try it uh, kind of here's your homework kind of idea mm-hmm. yes um, I would like to see them always take a step further now in saying that having a mentor is a necessity, too. Mm. Yeah, I think with the disciplines, we get very lost, and we remain in that cerebral kind of study mode, where I've, first I need to understand what it is I'm going to be doing, and then we kind of stay in that mode, right. and we have a clear understanding, but still haven't actually done the work. Yeah. And I get that. It's a call to practice for a reason, right? It's a discipline for a reason. It's tough. And so to have a mentor um, or a group, let's say a home church group, that kind of idea, um, to keep you accountable is key. That's so fascinating because when I think of even my own journey through the practices, like I think it's very easy for us, like you said, to get stuck in that cerebral like, like I get to this point where I, I know what this is supposed to do for my life, and I have a real clear understanding, and if someone were to ask me about the certain practice, oh, yeah. oh I'm, I can come across as well-versed in this practice. But yet, <laughs> it, it's like, it's not actually, yeah, I mean, it's like that, the benefit of having that mentor, or a community, or a house church, or something like that, yes. um, I think would really take it to that next Absolutely, and I think many people of uh, faith, um, they're not able to verbalize that it's the practices that they, they're they yearning for. I mean, they're obviously yearning for Christ, but we don't know how to put it into words or put it into practice, and we're mm-hmm. just left kind of grasping. Um, I, I think maybe now five, six years ago, easy. 
I had been considering taking yet another degree for my cerebral brain like would do nothing for me other than the gift of study right because deep down the layer was i was yearning for something deeper and i really wanted to delve into the disciplines mm. didn't know how to go about it myself and thought i was going to end up having to take a degree because this is the way that i would um be able to dig deeper which yes it is one way and yes it does benefit us obviously that said i happened to call up um someone here uh, in Moncton who is a spiritual discipline, spiritual practice guru, and asked about some places to study, what their thoughts were. And um, she happens to be female, which I've never had a female mentor before in, in ministry. And she said to me, oh, Carolyn, you, you don't need a degree in this. You need a mentor, and I'm gonna, hmm. I'm gonna take you on, and I'm gonna begin mentoring you. Nice. And uh, it was a game changer. It changed my life. Hmm. Yeah. How has that life. helped? Um, it has changed everything. I have become hungry for scripture, and I, we always t- say that. So I hate to even. It doesn't sound hmm. as profound as I want it to sound. Beforehand, yes, I was always yearning, and obviously, I mean, I've been drawn to Christ. I've been in, in ministry for years. But this is different now. I don't feel like when I'm reading my Bible now that I have to um, tear apart every single word and, and um, study it to death till there's nothing left of that scripture. I feel like now I'm able to just sit with God and sit with the words that he's given to me. It can be a word that he has given to me. And it becomes... Um, it becomes this incredible thing that has changed. It changes who I am on a day-to-day basis. So scripture that beforehand I would have just put, we've had this pressure on Bible memorization. Mm. I've never been great at that game. Sword drills. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. that said. And contests <laughs> yeah. with prizes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That said, with disciplines, uh, once I learned how to sit with scripture in a new way, I can take a verse that I that God is drawing me to. It catches my attention, and I'm meant to sit there with them. And it could just be one word that stands out. And now I'm able to say, oh, that word, oh, that reminds me. I know that verse. Mm. I know that verse. And that's very different from, mm. oh, I've got to memorize that verse. You can see the difference. Yeah. Generally, uh, seminaries, depending on the seminary, are great on... Well, I took Greek and Hebrew and church history yeah, and New Testament interpreting and Old Testament interpreting and systematic theology. Mm-hmm. Did not have one course in spiritual disciplines hmm. or practices. And I think, here's my bias, I think that ought to be a required course. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 In every Bible school seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe the one course that doesn't require a grade, mm. so that you can actually learn how to sit without that type of pressure, right? The rest yeah. of the courses that you take during those years are you're doing the work that you need to do, and you're getting the grade. You're moving forward in your workload and writing papers, that kind of thing. It would be different to sit and have a mentoring experience. <laughs> while you're studying, I think. See, I think you just lost me right there. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. She uh, she got me. That's a <laughs> <laughs> uh, good observation. It is so fascinating though because um so you you mentioned at one point in your teaching Carolyn this, you know, you were kind of talking about, you know, we and sometimes Gordon and I will kind of like poke fun of our own um sort of uh, tribe here within Christianity and the, the Baptists and and you know it's good to be able to laugh at ourselves right and so we're we're known you said it like a people of the book yep and yet I think you sort of hit on it right there as you were chatting like how do we define what that actually means yeah. right and I've been thinking a lot lately you know if you look at the stats in uh, North America on like biblical illiteracy, for example, it's just through the roof right now. But I've been thinking to myself, well, how do we define being literate in the Bible? Because I think, you know, typically the Baptist answer would be, well, you need to know, you know, the sword drills and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But I think what we're really unearthing here with this um, this idea of Lectio Divina, it's, it's something beyond that. Yeah, something beyond that. And it, it's almost like you, we have to go, we have to learn how to go to this in a backwards kind of approach from what we're accustomed to in the Baptist world, right? Right, yeah. So, learning how to approach scripture and sitting with it. And when we do, the result is we just get hungrier for more. So then we begin to read our Bible more and more and more. And the, that, obsession grows because Christ is just growing that within you. I mean, that's the Spirit doing the Spirit's work. But if we go at it with, I'm just going to study, well, then it just becomes a grade, right? How much do I know? And it doesn't go into the, the depths of the depths. Yes, it does still. I mean, I do believe that that God still works through it. Oh, for thankfully. sure. Yeah. yeah. But we haven't given tools to one another as Christians to delve into uh, spiritual practice. And how many times have you heard someone say of someone else, oh, he or she knows all the answers? I know. Yeah. That's we, not yes. the problem. The problem is not that they don't know the book. The problem is it has never really resided in them, resonated with them. Yeah. The way it was meant to, mm. yeah. And as a result, they have thrown the baby out with the bathwater, yeah. And in some cases, even walked away, knowing the book very well. So it's not about knowledge. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that are usually revered in the life of the church. These, hmm. you know, these characters who have this knowledge of it all, which is good and helpful. We need that, but you need a combination. Mm -hmm. Or else we get really lost. I did. I was. I would argue I was spiritually lost for many, many years. Although I was steeped in study. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Who's the author that uses that expression? Um, like eat this book. Who is that? That's um. Ah yes. I don't know. Who I forget I, who that was. Yeah. It's a. Uh, he's taking it from. I think from Isaiah. Jeremiah, actually. Oh, Jeremiah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sword drill captain Sorry, over here. Guy. Sorry. Here we oh, go. No. Oh, Oops. no. Case in point. <laughs> what is his name? He, I think he wrote a book called Eat This Book, but it was all about sort of... Yeah. Um, Your anyways. words were found and I did eat them. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Amen. <laughs> right? But, Gordon, I think that... Um, when you're preaching, when when we lean into listening to your words as you're preaching, 
you can always hear, you'll, you'll oftentimes go back into giving examples where what you're actually um, pointing out is how the practices impacted you. That's where God spoke to you. And oh. you'll, you'll do all the exegetical work, but then you'll say, ah, but when, it, when I paused and sat with God, this is where it came to life. Oh, there's no question about that, Carolyn. I, I, I mean, it, but here's the thing. Here, it's the amazing thing. We don't go there on our own. Mm, yep. You know, like a father who has to grab you by the scruff of the neck and drag you out back for a talking to. God puts you in a place where you you just get taken there. Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked about the situation. I'll, I'll just talk about it briefly. I was a new senior pastor. I was 32 years old. I was trying to lead a church, and it was a growing, active, vibrant church. It gave to missions, sent mission missionaries, very active, had a lot of mission partners. We were becoming active in the local community. It was a great spot, and I didn't know what to do next. <laughs> I had no idea where to lead these people. They were willing to go, and I was willing to lead them. I just didn't know where I should lead them. And I went to a cottage on a lake in the Gatineau Hills. And I opened the Bible, and I read a few verses, and I just, with a cup of coffee, looking over the lake, and said, God, you've got to teach me. Like, where am I leading these people? I don't know. But it was that kind of desperation that took me there, and it's been that kind of desperation more than once that's taken me uh, to the shore of Prince Edward Island. I've talked about that one. I've talked about going to the rocks at Fundy, but it, it always seems need-driven, which is not a bad thing. No. It just means God's in the process. But don't think it's because we can just make a decision that we think it would be a good idea. Generally, there's more to it than that. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, too, the art of listening, it, it's not an easy thing to come by, right? It, it's just not. Even think about um, right down to services, the church that we, that in all, almost all churches, uh, you'll see that we become very uncomfortable with silence. We actually have no idea what to do with it. And if there is silence, well, then we look into ways to fill that silence because we are very uncomfortable. And yeah. after we've sat a little while... We start to panic, right? Because we think the times. Just about a year ago, uh, I was really struggling with something, and I went to one spot, and uh, God said, "Come to the rocks." Well, the rocks. There's a bit, a bit of a story there. It's in Alma. It's a breakwater. I've heard more from more times from God there than anywhere else on the face of the earth he said come to the rocks I'll meet you so I drove down and walking out onto the breakwater it was it wasn't a warm wind but it felt like a warm wind and I realized he was there and I remember walking along the beach and saying, you're here. And he said, I told you I'd meet you. 
Like, like he, you know, he has to teach us all of that. And when you tell both of those stories, what I think they have in common is that both of them involved you prior prior to those both of those stories. You had learned how to listen to God, and that's what enabled you to go away to those places. And without that key element within the life of our church, we can't get to the place of going to the rocks or uh, not knowing what to do with your congregation and going to a quiet place. So first we have to learn how to become very uncomfortable. Right. Right? That's this crazy and wild first step, is to learn to be uncomfortable. I did not learn how to listen until my mentor forced me to. (laughs) And it was terrible. There's that grab by the scruff of the neck again. Yes. Yes. And I didn't listen. What I did was I lost my mind, essentially. I it made me crazy. I was, uh, I had to, I was required um, to go to a spot. So we chose a church where I would book in a uh, half hour times, I think it was two to three times a week. And I just had to sit there. Ooh, good times. <laughs> and I was told to simply hang out with God for a while. And it, I, it made me crazy. I could barely last 10 minutes, and I was thinking, what's wrong with me? Here I am in ministry. I'm supposed to be leading people in this world and in this area of pastoral care. I'm failing as a Christian. Only to realize that that fight it was a beautiful gift that God has gives each one of us. And, but without that, we'll never learn how, how to listen, how to sit. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it does come with a battle. Yeah. So, tell us about Lectio Divina. Well, <laughs> good times. <laughs> it's one of my favorite practices. Um, I did in the sermon give the steps that are normally given mm-hmm. when we discuss Lectio Divina. That said, as you begin to practice that, this discipline or this practice for, for, for a, a while, for a time, it kind of all begins to meld together. First, we le- learn our disciplines or our practices separately. And with time, as we um, begin to hone in and practice each each um, area, they begin to meld together. So yes, on, on on that Sunday, I did give the steps that you'll see in a textbook, for instance, teaching this sort of thing. That said, I do realize that as you begin to practice it, they meld these steps meld together. So the first step is uh, simply reading scripture, learning how to savor it. Um, is the second step. So both steps one and two, ha, huh, listening, right? So 50% of what we are doing in these steps, there's only four steps, 50% is us listening, hanging out. What a gift for once we don't have to fill up the space, right? It's a gift. We can sit in it instead. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the next steps that go on after that um, involve speaking so that invitation for us to kind of fight with God a little bit if we need to, or to simply just say, hey, like, you're awesome. Is it okay to say I don't understand? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And I believe that that's the Spirit's way of drawing you to stick with that scripture that he's brought you to. Stay with it until God tells you to move away from it. You might stay with one verse for six months. You might stay with one verse for a day. But um, you stay with those. Uh, when I'm teaching people this type of uh, work, I definitely say, like, you stay with this. Don't let it go. If there's a certain word that, that God is calling you to and that you're drawn to, it's for a reason, including I don't understand. 
Yeah. God will bring clarity, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to when you want him to. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think he's gentle with us when we're new at the process and he takes mercy and says, Thank heavens. (laughs) Here you go. Yeah. For me, that first time was within hours. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yep. But then I've had other times and I've told the story where it wasn't until the morning of the fifth day. Yeah. And for some, it's been even longer. Mm. Yeah. When I mentor people one-on-one in this type of work, uh, oftentimes people are brought to a state of weeping Yeah. while they're reading mm. over the journal of their experience because it was so wild how God showed up and what God had to say. And it's always surprising, <laughs> right? That's part of the fun right of being a christian is that there's so many good surprises right Mm -hmm. wild things god shows up and tells you something crazy and wonderful all in the mix it's just so people will think oh i'm going to study this word i'm going to sit with this word and it's gonna i'm sure the outcome will be what i'm expecting haha right it's not it's it turns out to be something specifically for you um something that's beautiful um and we've got to remember, too, that when God does um, speak to us in terms of our own sinfulness, we've got a little lost in that. We, we've decided that it involves immense guilt. Oftentimes, it's actually quite freeing, right? So that happens to people, too. Yeah. Hmm. Where God, you might say, you don't understand, and with time, oh, I do understand. Uh-oh, wait, this is about me. Whoa, God, you just released me from this thing that has been over me or for the way that I've been behaving and and people begin to weep with relief that they don't have to live like that anymore. It's not with because God got me, right? Mm. He in that moment he was you know, gonna punish me. It, it's oftentimes a very gentle um, way that God shows up. Sometimes using humor do, right? And the purpose of it is not to make us feel guilty or to beat down no, it's on It's to us. free us in Christ. It's to free us. Yes. And and we will, in fact, uh, this coming Sunday, I'm preaching about confession. Ooh, no pressure, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not coming to visit you this week. <laughs> <laughs> All done. Um, but we lean away from confession mm. because it scares us a little. And we've only been taught that it, the result is going to be awful and you'll hate yourself. You'll, you'll, you'll hate yourself and penance and all the rest of that when really God just wants you to come down this road because he says, if you confess, I will be faithful to forgive and cleanse. Mm-hmm. Which means I'll forgive what's already happened and I'll cleanse you so it doesn't happen again. Like there's there's this wonderful freedom in Christ, as you say. Mm-hmm. It comes as a result, but it starts with confession. Yeah. So sitting with the word until it until it takes hold. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. Yeah. So then we read and we meditate. Meditate. <laughs> speak. We speak. And the last one is contemplate. So, in other words, rest. Rest? Yeah. yeah. The difference between meditation and contemplation, because they, 
on the face of it, they seem like the same thing, but really they're not, are they? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, when it comes to, I'm not going to define, let me just go in one place before we get to that definition, but when it comes to Lectio Divina, that fourth step is super important because God has been working in our lives and speaking to us. And so that fourth step to contemplate means you're simply resting in what he has given you. Um, a little different from I've done the study. Amen. I'm done. Right. Yes. Bible study's over. It's between seven and 8 PM. And at 8 PM, you are done. And I have my warm fuzzy. So yes. I'm all done now. Yes. Yeah. Instead, this gives you a time to just hang out. Right. Hang out with God. Um, rest in the hard work because this kind of stuff is it can be really hard work there's times where it can be delightful and there's other times where god gives you something and it hurts your brain right it hurts your Mm -hmm. heart or it it just brings you such joy you're exhausted from it and um you need you need that time to um to sit uh, sit with it so yeah that's different from meditate meditate is you're actively listening to what god has to say to you big difference right yeah, so it's almost like yeah. the meditation part is, yeah, that actively seeking, actively listening, yep. hoping, praying for something. Yep. And then that contemplation is, you're not doing that. You're sort of resting in what hopefully you've received. Right. Would that, would that be a yep. right one? Okay. You're unwinding. Cool. Um, one of good. the ways that it's taught uh, in one of the courses or sessions that I lead, I lead sessions um, on a book by Sybil Macbeth. It's called Praying in Color. And she teaches uh, people to do this kind of work, but by using a pen and paper, essentially. And in that last step, so uh, let's say uh, you're going to use scripture. In that last, uh, with your pen and paper, the last step there, what she would say with your pen is, is write down whatever words, let's say God um, really brought out the word trust in the scripture that you were looking at. And you were reminded by God of, of the ways uh, that you needed to trust him, or perhaps he called out the ways that we don't always trust him, or there was a specific thing just for you in that word. And you know you're meant to carry that word for the week, that word trust, because that is something special God gave you for this, this time. She would say to take the word trust and to just begin to write it, write it down with your pen or with your marker write the word but then let your your pen just drift along on your page just kind of until you're just making swirls or lines on your page and that gives you an example of of what you're doing for that rest you're taking the word trust and you're just letting that go Hmm. now you're sitting in it you're just without having to do that hard work that comes with the concentrating of hey god what are you saying to me when i'm meditating yeah right Oh, very cool. <laughs> Wild and crazy stuff. Wild and Pastoral crazy care. stuff. Come and join me, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One thing I'm like really learning over this whole season of us diving into these practices is just realizing how interconnected all of them are. It's crazy. Yeah. Right? Like you see how like this doing this could is tied into prayer and it's tied into confession and it's tied into like it's, it's just and it's tied into for example silence and solitude oh yeah because if you don't get to a place of silence and solitude that's where all of these things unpack mm-hmm. 
that's where Lectio Divina happens because you can't have it in a supermarket right. um, uh, line or even while you're driving. Yeah. People will say, oh, well, you know, that's kind of my time. Well, yeah, but talk about distracted driving. How about distracted kind of Lectio Divina? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you have to spend the time, so that will involve some silence and solitude. Yep. And if you're going to hear from God, and therefore you're going to ask God, and maybe confess uh, something, then that's all going to happen. So, yeah, you're right. They are all interconnected. Mm. Well, at the beginning of this series, there was a conversation about the order of what the discipline should be. Because how right. can you do this kind of work if we didn't talk about solitude? Right. right. Yeah. If that's a human impossibility, you'd go crazy with the pressure of trying to figure out how to do this. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been silly for us to put solitude at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But really, it would, yeah. It, Although I, I get uh, why people would be tempted, because for me, I did want to flee from solitude, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hard but then, stuff. But then people would come to the end and say, oh, I wish we talked about right. this at the start. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. this would have made some of these other things... Yeah. Absolutely. Manageable or easy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, sometimes we'll ask, too, Carolyn, if there was any aspects that you kind of wanted to touch on but didn't get a chance to, or, or like, if you could go deeper on one, one thing. There always are. So yeah, you oh, know, yeah. in every sermon known to... Yeah, because you can't say right? it all, right? You can't say yeah, it all. you can't say it all. Sure. Yeah, there's lots of places... One was, I find it hard when it comes to preaching to um, just to convey how meaningful the practices are for me personally. And I'm just so desperate for people to get that opportunity, right? I right. want them to have mentoring opportunities so that they can experience this. Because when it comes to pastoral care, the practices are linked so, so deeply um, into the type of ministry that I'm doing. So, for mm. instance, if someone's grieving, well, if you know how to work through uh, Lectio Divina, for instance, you might not have your Bible right there, or some people are so grief-stricken they can't actually physically open their mm. Bible. God's already given them specific words, but with more than just the memorization, because they've already done some of that work. So, for instance, I, earlier I used the word trust. Mm. Well, what does that word mean to them now in the midst of their grief? Right. See? And we can make these links for people as they're working through whatever mm. is they're going through, right? I had some health issues this year, and while I was in hospital dealing with all of this, I was able to use this type of practice or several of the practices to get through when I was freaking out. Mm. And that's what was spoke to the depths of my soul. I didn't need a lot of people around me because I had something really precious, which is mm. Christ, right? Yeah. So I didn't have that desperate type of scramble. I did. I was terrorized, but I didn't have that trying to, to um, desperately fill it with, okay, somebody read to me every bit of scripture known to man because otherwise, right? Mm. No, it, it, it didn't work. So yeah, I wish I I could have conveyed how this can really, really make a difference and practice it now because mm -hmm. we're going to need it for the good and for the hard, right? We're yeah. going we're gonna need this kind of work. So that was one area that I would have liked to have delved in a little more. Um, I would have liked to spend more time on 
each one of the steps of sure, Lectio yeah. Divina too, right? Mm-hmm. To allow people to, to really work through that. Mm. A one-hour workshop would have been helpful right yeah, there. Yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? So I, I, I felt, you know, I definitely had moments where I was like, God, am I just doing a disservice just giving this overview of something that's so big and wonderful and here I am just giving it pittance like compared to to what it really is so yeah but I I think preachers no matter what they preach on have that feeling most do of I haven't done a good enough job I I didn't convey the depths of who you really are Mm. because we're human right so. Yeah, and there's the other side. It, it almost feels at times like we're issuing trailers yes, instead of the movie. But mm. if the trailer can entice That's someone to actually watch the movie, mm. then it's done its job. Right, right. Because, um, you know, there's, there's the old saying, if you have to, if you have three hours uh, to cut up a cord of wood, Spend the first 20 minutes sharpening the saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, uh, like yeah. you say, when you come to the moment where you need some of this, that's probably not the time to start. Mm. Yeah. It's the work already done yeah. that gets accessed at that point. Is that fair? I think that's fair. Yep. Yeah. The other area, too, that I, I didn't um, delve into but was definitely on my mind, specifically to our church uh, body, but I think this is within many, we oftentimes talk about the importance of serving, here to serve. We are a congregation that's very familiar with that word, or with that um, with those few words. I would have loved to be able to delve into a couple stories, because here to serve, as many Christians, we we are here to serve, but we have somehow confused it and decided that serving means we have to just help, help, help. We have to be the doers. And so I would have loved to have delved into that a little bit more and dipped into this in terms of um, when I think of of um, the disciplines, I'm just going to give a simple <coughs> little um, analogy, and I think that this will bring it to... This will make more sense once I do. Um, Benedictines. One of the ways that the monks deal with um, the front door of their monasteries is they have a person a mon- uh, who they call um, a porter at the front door. The porter is usually someone who's elderly, who has some experience in ministry. Don't you give me any eye. <laughs> I just enjoyed I, see, that, folks. I protest. <laughs> I enjoyed that. I resemble that remark, actually. <laughs> Uh, that said, it's because they're wise. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyways, these porters, they really actually do bring out these folks who are um, seniors there because they have a sense, they've lived a life, they know how to listen in a very unique way to others and to God. Mm. And they're taught when they open that door, it's not that they open the door and then say to the person knocking, hey, like, hey, Adams, how, how can you, uh, how can I help you? What do you want? Right? Right. Which is sometimes our approach as Christians. Instead, they open the door and say, oh, you've brought a blessing. What what blessing are, are you bringing today to give mm. to me? Oh, interesting. See? That's yeah. what serving is. That's what serving is. And when you bring the disciplines into it, mm. voila, you've got now this connection between the disciplines and here to serve, 
and what that really means as a Christian. So we have talked for years, Carolyn, that there is a world, there's a world that we see, and there's a world that we don't see. So, you know, we would use the example, of course, of Paul in Ephesians 6 and says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and, and powers, etc., etc., uh, assigning the warfare to an unseen world. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when we get into the disciplines, we begin to travel in that unseen world, which then gives us insights, maybe challenges, mm -hmm. that we wouldn't otherwise see. Talk to us about that. <laughs> Two words, run away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's true, and that's where it's also complex and can be difficult. I mean, for, for some, that's terrifying, right, hearing that. You think, mm -hmm. oh, I need to draw away from this. That said, when we delve again into this world, there's also the realization that you become even more aware of the strength of God, right? Mm -hmm. The strength of who Christ is, the Spirit, like, and the work that they're doing, which then makes some of the terrifying things that we come across less terrifying, because we know the truth and who's got this. We learn, I think, to be brave when we're typically afraid, because that's the work of the Spirit. Sound fair? Yeah, and and that brings me back in my thinking to that thing that Adams was talking about earlier and you've talked about, the fact that we are people of the book, mm. which also translates to, that's why we're scared to death of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's yeah. why Francis Chan could write a book called The Forgotten God. Yes. Because we would say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was there moving across the face of the waters and uh, at creation. And He was there. Yeah. He, he, the, we've talked about how the Holy Spirit was active and enabling Christ in the time of the Incarnation. So we've talked about all of those things. But going down into this world means that there's an increased dependence on the ministry of the Holy Spirit for us. Mm -hmm. If we're going to hear anything, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to bring it to us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He will be the one. Mm -hmm. If we're going to be convicted, He's the one. If we're going to be comforted, the Comforter will be the one who will comfort. Yeah. Yeah. And difficult, too, because we live in a culture of doing, right? Mm. So yep. you can see, again, where this would be very difficult as Christians to be able to step back and say, wait, this is the Spirit that's doing the work. I don't have to step in and try to, quote-unquote, fix it or make the, the dark things go away. Or That's not our job, right? Our job is to allow the Spirit to do that work, right? To acknowledge him in it. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Well, right on, guys. <laughs> See, this was way more fun than you thought it was going to be, wasn't it? <laughs> Wild and crazy. Come on, fess up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that was that was really good, and uh, 
Gord, I mean, maybe she's going to roll her eyes at this, but maybe we need to have Carolyn come uh, more often. Maybe not always in the summer, though. I did just roll my eyes. I'm going to drive over with my ATV next time, folks. (laughs) 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 But yeah. No, Carolyn, thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for making the trip. um, Thanks for being a part. From our perspective, it was very much worth it to have you in the room. Look, I was. This has been good. I, these are. This is stuff I'm passionate about. So awesome. I like it. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So Gord, we're gearing up for this Sunday, and then uh, we'll we'll get together just the two of us next week. So you're coming back next week? <laughs> no. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. No, you enjoy the time with your family. Mm. Thank you. Uh, campfires and. Yeah, lots of fun. ATVing and what do you do on the water? <laughs> is it a paddleboard? Is um, it? Yes, we we did have a boat, but last year I forget the name of which hurricane it was. It hit the island hard. Oh. Do you remember which oh. the name of which one? Anyways, we had um, a hurricane that destroyed our boat. Oh. So, now you got firewood. So so now it's a paddleboard and kayaks. There you go. So, but oh, a lot good. of a lot good, of swimming. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right on. Thank you, Adams. Oh, yeah, no yeah, worries. Thanks, folks. This is yeah. good. And we'll see you guys next week. Except for Caleb. I'll see you next <laughs> week. I'll listen. Thanks again. Yeah, no, I'm glad and to be here. And safe folks. trip home. Thank you. <laughs>